0: we got coming up Hannah? Well we've got
1: Graham Reed coming to talk to us mm. um, and that is very very interesting. Um, it's just amazing to find out about his life in Africa and just ask him questions that everyone's wondering.
0: Yeah so Graham and Steph are a couple uh, that we support financially and hopefully mm. emotionally and in that way um, over in Africa as a church. Uh, they've been great friends and part of the Oaks for a while so and obviously the beloved parents of Dan yes (laughs) so um it's great to hear from Graham and all they get up to and how different life I never really appreciated how different life is yeah over there and so you Jack and Josh sat down with him didn't you yeah asking questions yeah. yeah some very important questions like what toothpaste does he use and <laughs> does he like your clothes and yeah. all the really nitty-gritty things oh that yeah. everyone wants to know about. <laughs> no, there were some serious questions yeah. and some great stories, so yeah. um, we can't wait to go into that. Mm, yeah. We've also got um, an interview with a couple of the directors this episode, which hopefully will help us understand a bit more about what their roles are, why it's important that we even have directors or trustees and how we operate as a charity, etc., etc. So got that coming up as yeah. well. So we'll move on to the Graham interview now. Yes.
2: I'm, I'm doing very well, I'm enjoying my day.
3: Nice, we have a few questions
4: for you.
2: That's great, I'm looking right. forward to them. So the first one is,
4: do you like Hannah's clothes?
2: Yes, I, d- I, I do. Thank you. Yes.
4: That is the incorrect answer, so I'm <laughs> you are off the show. Mm.
2: I'm
4: only joking. But the next question is, where were you born?
2: I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is right in the middle of Africa, yeah.
1: Nice one and uh,
2: yeah um yeah so we just wanted to know why you moved there why gosh i've moved around a bit so i was born there uh, my parents were missionaries and there were various wars and things that went on and partly because of that and partly because my parents wanted to get me educated um, we came back to england when i was 11 years old in 1970 and so actually i've lived in england most of most of my life, and for about 25 years in Sheffield. Um, but then, just the last seven years, uh, my wife Steph and I have moved back out to Africa. So we're not uh, staying in the Democratic Republic of Congo because it's difficult there. Instead, we're just next door um, in the country where I went to school uh, when I was at primary school, and that's in the country of Zambia.
3: Very nice. So. When you live in Africa, how is it different to living in Sheffield
2: yeah? Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> well, the way it's the same is everybody's got mobile phones. Um, but the way it's different, we live in a really remote part of Africa. And we're working with a tribe called the Lunda tribe. And they literally live pretty much like... Uh, people did in that part of Africa for hundreds of years. So people live mostly in mud huts and, and um, uh, they grow their own food. They, they, have a, uh, they, they subsist, which means that they just try to provide for themselves every day. So they might have a few chickens uh, and grow a few vegetables and stuff. And they eat manioc roots, which is like their, their, their main food, their, their, like we have potatoes or pasta. <laughs>
3: What do you do for food and like houses?
2: Yeah, that's, that's good. When we went out uh, to Zambia, we went to a mission uh, station, which was started around about 1970, and joined a team of people there. Some of them are, are from England. Some of them are from different parts of Africa. Um, and and we're we're kind of all mixed in terms of ethnicity as well. And, um, yeah, the first thing we had to do was build a house, um, which was kind of funny because, uh, Stefan, I've never built a house before. And because it's so remote, we had to bring all the things for building our house, materials from Uh, at least 600 kilometers and and some of it from South Africa. So it it took us quite a long time. It took us nearly two and a half years to build the house. And uh, so that was our main, the main thing we're doing to start with was just building. But I'm interested in education and Steph's a nurse. So there's a clinic there at the mission and Steph works there in the clinic. Um, And I've been helping with the school because you can imagine that where we work um, most people don't have any education at all so families the average size of a family is eight children that's the average and some families have like 12 children so usually what happens is uh, the father will just choose two children to go to school and the rest can't afford to so they stay at home so one of the reasons I've been really keen to help with the school Is to try and improve the education because because you know that if if people get education then it gives them a choice in life and and we all have that here in England almost take it for granted but it means once you've you've had an education you can choose what you're going to do Uh, you can choose what job it's not always easy but it gives you a doorway to a better future whereas most of the the children in our part of Africa, because they don't have an education, they never get a job. They, they just try to survive by yeah. uh, digging, digging roots up and stuff. Mm. Um, so that's why I feel the education is very important. Now, Steph's a, a midwife and a nurse, but actually the main thing she does in the hospital um, is she goes with one of the other members of the team, called Anna and they, they just do pastoral work and they pray for healing, supernatural healing. Um, Amongst patients, so they 're working alongside the clinical staff who are giving them medicine and treatment to help people get better, but steph 's spending time just talking to people. Some of them come from congo so so for example if, if you don 't have any transport, we had a guy come to the hospital with a broken back in a wheelbarrow and he had come from for about fifty kilometers. Can you imagine wow. he had, had an accident in a mine. Um, so we have all sorts of different things, and the main uh, things that people have wrong with them is malaria, TB, and AIDS. Um, so whilst everybody else in the world is concerned with the pandemic, yeah. and actually we've had COVID there at Satch as well, but those those three things are, are much more serious, and, and those are the main things that we treat.
4: Yeah. What would you say is your favourite part about living in Africa?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I. I I'm really passionate about wildflowers. That's a really boring answer, but it's true. And especially orchids. And so it's it's a really good place for orchids. But I also just like wildlife. Now, it's hard to believe, but in our part of Africa, even though it's very remote, there's a huge strip across Central Africa now where there's no animals left at all. So when we come back to England, we see more wild animals than we do in Africa. Yeah. Like if we see a fox, it's like, oh, it's a wild animal. Yeah. So, so we don't see many um, big animals. There used to be lions and elephants and giraffe and all that kind of stuff in our area. But unfortunately, um, we're partly to blame as Europeans because we took guns and then people found that they could shoot things and, and eat them. So, Occasionally we see a jackal, we've got otters in the lake, which is very, very nice. But I would love to see more wildlife because that's yeah, what I'm interested mm-hmm. in. So so it's the little wildlife, we have amazing butterflies and insects wow. and things, and I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's that and also it's a very beautiful place where we live. We're, we're on a hill and we've got a big lake right in front of us. So. Uh, and also we can kind of live outside all the time. So um, uh, we we have what's called a veranda, which is just kind of like a porch. You know, it's yeah. outside part of the house with the roof coming over. We spend more time out there than we do inside. Mm. So the climate is, is lovely. It's, a light, it's like living in summer all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So nice how long have you been back there
2: then? Yeah, it's, uh, we, we've been back for seven years now. Um, but every winter we, we come back here because we have three children, they're all grown up yeah. um, and the thing that we miss um, from England is, is our, our family so it's just nice to come back and spend yeah. some time yeah. with them
5: yeah.
2: uh, and then usually around about this time of the year we're, we're heading back off uh, for yeah. Zambia. Nice one.
4: Uh, you, you told us about your favourite part about Africa. What's your least favourite part
2: about <laughs> living in Africa? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question, too. So, the nearest shop to us is 311 kilometres. Wow. Right? So, um, and whereas we've got a little house in wood seats here, which we'll come back to in the winter, and we've got like um, Aldi and Tesco and Sainsbury's, mm-hmm. three minutes' walk. Um, so, shopping is, is really difficult. So what we do is, um, we have a truck. The roads are terrible, so they're dirt roads, mostly. And they've got horrendous potholes. Some of the potholes are big enough to fit your whole car car sure. into. But they're, they're the better ones, because you just go in and out. But the, the ones that are like this deep and that wide, if your wheel hits mm-hmm. them, then it can be really serious. And when they fill up with water. So, um, we managed to, do enough shopping to last us for eight weeks now, if we can. Then we don't have to go down to the shop too often. Um, so I would say it's the whole thing about getting getting supplies yeah. that's the most difficult.
5: Mm. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, what like what food do you have there? What yeah. what's your favourite food?
2: Well. The nice thing is that if we do that long journey down to the shop, we, we actually get to a supermarket, and they have all sorts of things that come from South Africa. So, we we're a bit lazy in a way because we we eat mostly European food, Steph and I, when we're when we're at home, um, and. Uh, so that's good but but we do also eat the local African food as well so that, so a typical lunda meal would be um, it, a, a mush that's made out f, made of the manioc root that I mentioned earlier and it, it's kind of mixed with water. the flour's mixed with water till it it's like play-doh um, but it's kind of a gray color and for most people it doesn't taste very nice. So if I was eating a lunda meal now then I would have a big lump of that on the table. I would also have a bowl with some relish in which is um, onions and tomatoes, probably. And then over here, maybe once a week, they'll have some meat or some dried fish. They like rats. uh, So that's one of the meats that they eat apart from chicken. So then I I don't use a knife and fork or anything. I just take a lump of the mush and roll it round to about the size of a golf ball. and I stick my thumb in it and I dip it into the relish uh, and maybe have a little bit of the dried fish as well and that's how I eat. So you have to learn to uh, eat with your hand. You, You should eat with your mouth open because that's good manners. Whereas here, you eat with your mouth closed. Yeah. No, but only a thief will eat with their mouth shut, because you you're trying to hide your food. So it's good manners to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's good manners to eat with your right hand and not your left hand, because you use your left hand for various toiletry purposes. <laughs> so you don't want to eat with that, the same hand. Um, so it's a completely different way of, of doing things. So if we have people come for supper with us, like, like you would do here, they're Zambian people. Then we'll try and make a, a Zambian supper, and we'll eat it in in the African way. But most of the time, when Stefan or I are on our own, we eat pasta and potatoes and rice and all those things that yeah. we eat here.
1: Nice. Very nice.
4: Um, what kind of toothpaste do you use? Ah, I'm
2: so <laughs> glad you asked me that, <laughs> and that will bring a smile to the faces of a few of my generation and a bit younger, because that was always the question. I. I think it's Colgate, um, but yeah. I, I, I'm not in. It's Colgate. It is Colgate, yeah. Very
3: nice. Yeah. Final question. Do you like the spinning chair?
2: The spin. <laughs> I do. And can I just do a little spin on it? Is that all right? I'm okay. just going. The thing is that if you do it with your arms out and pull them in, you should get faster <laughs> and faster. Is that right? <laughs> you see that? Did
3: that work? Yeah.
2: Wow. I yeah, need you to try it. <laughs> you must try it. I will. will yeah.
5: Thank you. A beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know
2: what? It's been a real pleasure and um, lovely to see you guys. I have one quick question yeah. Sorry, I know i have come. Yeah. Um that's interesting too. So if you most Zambian people, if you say to them, uh, are you do you believe in God, they will say, Of course I do. Um, whereas perhaps here in Eng- England some people would say, No, I no, I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in God. So the, the spiritual scene where we live is that um, Christianity is very strong. It's the strongest faith in, in Zambia, uh, so that's great. Um, but actually, the, the most prevalent spiritual force is witchcraft. So, um, and the witchcraft, so all the villages have a witch doctor and um, if somebody gets sick normally the first thing they would do is go and see the witch doctor and he would um, give them some potions but also sometimes um, some of the treatments he gives will include things that are not good for people spiritually or physically so you know they bleed people and all sorts of stuff which isn't good so we have the we have that those two things. We have Christianity going on, but people mix their Christianity with witchcraft, even in the church, quite a lot. So that's a big problem because it don't make a good mixture. It's like trying to mix oil and water together. You know, they don't really work. But I'll tell you one little story, if I, if I may. Um, the the area that we live in is very intensely spiritual. There was a revival that started at Sachbondu, where where we live. In, in 1968. And uh, 460 churches came out of that revival, so it was, it was big. But it's meant that there's also been the, the power of the witchcraft around us has been very, very strong. And this year, we felt God saying, we really need to stand up and pray against it, um, which we did. But we also became aware that the witch doctors were becoming more determined to kind of fight back spiritually. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like we had a big physical fight, because in the Bible it says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces. So we decided we would uh, get together as a team uh, to pray, which we do quite often on a Wednesday evening. Um, And what happens is team come and and their children um, usually sleep, the younger children sleep in some beds in the house. So we met together to begin to pray about this, and and some people had had some dreams and some words to help us to know what to pray about, so it was all good stuff. And when we met together, we saw that there was a, a thunderstorm coming, right? And it was coming from where we know the witch doctors are. This sounds weird, but it's true. And so we began to talk, the very moment we began to talk about praying about this, the house was hit by lightning. The lightning went all around the house and there was a girl lying in a bed and the socket right beside her head about this far away blew up. Wow. Uh, so she came into the meeting all covered in dust, saying, I don't know, I don't know what's happened. And the tiles in the bathroom had all exploded. Um, that, that bolt of lightning went all around our mission station. People were blown off their chairs, televisions blew up. It was like, whoa! So it was kind of like, oh my goodness, you know. Sometimes you see things like that happen. But what we've also seen happen is that we've seen some miraculous healings, we begin to see God really working powerful in the lives of people. And um, the most exciting thing to, for me about my faith, uh, I would say, is that we've got a discipleship group where we've got about 15 young men in their late teens and early 20s, who uh, gave their lives to Jesus about two years ago, and from really difficult backgrounds. I could tell you some amazing stories about these guys too, but um, they, they, they became Christians, we baptized them in the lake, um, and uh, they're, really, they're really growing strong in their faith and they're the ones who are beginning to see the, 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 the power of the witch doctors turning. Um, so now what we do with those young guys, on a Sunday afternoon sometimes, sometimes other times in the week, we go out into the villages and these guys can speak the language better than me. Um, and they're, they're quite young, but they're the ones who are praying for people and, and beginning to preach and see, see a change. and. Um, the witch doctors are, are beginning to worry. I'll tell you one last story about a witch doctor. I've got an old friend called Mr. Noah. Um, he's about 75 years old. He has a long white beard. And he's my friend because he's got a coffee tree and I buy all his coffee. But he's the head of a village and he has 100 grandchildren. Wow. Uh, two wives yeah. and 100 grandchildren. Um, so his village is full of children. But one of the what happened is he, his sister died some time ago, and so he adopted his sister's sons. One of his sons um, wants to take over the village, right, from dear old Mister Noah. So um, he's turned against him. And what do you do? You call in the witch doctor. So there's a very powerful witch doctor uh, from a long way away. And the way he um, practices his witchcraft is you can pay him a lot of money. Now some of these things are real evil power and sometimes it's just kind of like superstition. So it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. But this witch doctor, he comes with a TV monitor uh, and uh, he, he says that if you pay him, then if somebody's got sick or something bad's happened in the village, then he can come and you know they'll kill a few chickens and do a few chants and things like that. And then on the screen he can see who's to blame. That's what he says, yeah. So the screen isn't plugged in or anything and nobody else can see anything on the screen except for this witch doctor, right? But now he's become quite famous. So anyway, Mr. Noah's village, this boy turned against his, uh, his stepfather, Mr. Noah. He called this witch doctor and paid him a lot of money. So one day I was driving past the village and uh, I saw a big crowd of people, all the village were gathered around this guy with his screen and dear old Mr Noah, he was sat over here with both his wives and they were looking on. So I stopped and I went to him, I said, what's going on? He said, it's my, my stepson, he's called the witch doctor. And he's trying to find out who's to blame for the sickness of one of the babies in the village. Um, and he was really frightened because he knew that this guy was, had paid this so-called witch doctor to see Mr Noah on his screen so that he would be blamed for the sickness of this baby and, and you know for putting a curse on him. If that happened, then he could get beaten up or even killed. Um, so, I, so I sat with Mr. Noah and his wives. I said, what are we gonna do? Now, sometime before this, I led Mr. Noah to Jesus. So he, he believes in prayer, so I said, let's pray. I said, well, pray that the witch doctor gets confused and goes away. So we prayed and I left and I went home. The next day when um, the guys who work for me came, came to my house early in the morning, uh, one of them is an old guy and he, he knows everything that goes on. So I said to him, well, do you know if anything's happened at Mr. Noah's village? Yeah, he says, it's really weird. Do you know that witch doctor who came? I said, yeah. He said, well, he got confused and went away. So I said, well, what do you mean he got confused? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was looking at his screen and he'd been paid to find out who, who was to blame. But instead of seeing Mr. Noah, he saw the guys who'd paid him the money to come. So he thought, "Well, I can't blame them." So he packed up and went went home again. (laughs) So later that day, Mr. Noah came on his creaky old bike. He said, "You'll never guess what's happened." I said, "I know already." So he said, "Well, I've come to tell you that it's only God who has power like that." So you see, the witch doctor doesn't always win. good job <laughs> good we're done well done thank you thank yeah. you, Greg. Thank you. It's a pleasure it's lovely to see you guys it's been lovely. And, um, mm. we'll see you again sometime yeah yeah thank you okay
0: thank you so much to graham for mm. coming and talking to us yeah. while he's over here Amazing. it was just so inspiring yeah. mm. what was your favorite bit about what he spoke about
1: I just loved hearing about all the stories about him in Africa and how far away the shop is. And oh yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and just it was so interesting to know about the differences between life in Sheffield and then life in Africa as well.
0: I think there's so much we take for granted. With Definitely, that. yeah. That certainly came to my Even mind. Even
1: like education, take that for granted. Mm. Knowing that only uh, like two children
0: in the family. Yeah, you could have You're school. one of three. Yeah. You might have not made the cut. <laughs> Dad would your mom and dad who, <laughs> yeah. who would you have yeah. sent ask <laughs> him because uh, it's do know just the 300 311 kilometers it was or yeah. something to a nearest shop and you think we can just when we nip forget to it kill it up. <laughs> or something we just yeah nip yeah. to go up and get some and then he's living like that so yeah. you can't imagine mm. what that's like yeah. and i bet it's so amazing to be basically like summer all the time considering yeah. We're sat here today, it's very cold, Freezing. miserable <laughs> wet outside, isn't it? So, yeah, that was good. Um, but now we've also got um, another little clip from our very own directors, so we'll um, move to that now and hopefully it will
5: shed some light on what it means to be a director of Oaks Community Church. <laughs> ah! Ah!
4: I'm Josh. And I'm Jack. And welcome back to Oaks Online.
3: And we've got Janet and Karen.
4: Hi. Hello. Some very special guests on the show. And we'll be today. asking them
3: some questions about being the directors. They are. So,
4: um, yeah, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, good. Hi. And um, the first question we'd like to ask is what is the difference between the core team and the directors?
6: okay well the core team is a group of people who are responsible for the spiritual leadership of the church so they're responsible for asking god where we should be going what we should be doing making those sorts of decisions and leading the church the directors are responsible for all things that relate to anything legal or financial, so anything to do with health and safety or making sure that the money's handled properly, all that sort of thing, comes under the responsibility of yeah. directors. Yeah. I see,
3: okay? Yeah. So what is your favorite part about being a director?
7: <laughs> Have I got a favorite part? Um, I think it's, uh, it's nice being part of a team and working together um, and, and doing stuff together yeah. Um, some of it overlaps with some of the stuff I do as a governor in a school, so I do, I do property stuff. So, yeah, so it's kind of like using my skills that yeah. I've gained already. So. Have you got
6: a favourite part, Janet? I think, for me, it's getting involved in the practical stuff, like we've just had our new kitchen and server done, mm. so getting involved in managing that and helping that all come together for yeah. me. Yeah,
3: yeah. What about exciting. your
4: least favourite part?
6: Oh, my least favourite part. Um, That's quite difficult. Probably meetings that go on for about three hours.
7: (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Boring, boring.
6: Reading boring policies. They're Mm, not their most favourite thing. (laughs) (laughs) We do have lots of policies that we have to look at every year or every two years and update them and make sure that they're still appropriate and still correct. So that
3: can get a bit tedious Mm. when you're reading through lots of those. Yeah, so we asked Graham Reid this question last week and his answer was rats, but what is your favourite cereal, Janet? My
6: favourite cereal? (laughs) I don't eat much cereal, but I do like granola. Nice. Nice.
4: Mine's
3: Muesli, so... Nice. Good choice, good choice. (laughs)
4: Um, And are all directors just the same bog-standard director, or are there different kinds and different levels of being a director?
6: I'd like to say they're all amazing individuals who are unique, because they are. But they do have different roles, so my role is the chair of directors, so I kind of chair the meetings and help put the agenda together and, and that sort of stuff. I'll let Karen tell you yeah. what her role is. So I do property and health and safety, So, I, I,
7: which involves do, sorting things out like the kitchen and. Looking at whether the building needs any work yeah. doing and making sure it's all safe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
6: So, and then we've also got a director that looks after HR, which is human resources. So that's anything to do with employees. Yeah. Um, so it might be if we were appointing a new member of staff, they might get involved in interviewing. Yeah. Um, normally we have a finance director, but we're we're kind of in between with that one at the moment. We're waiting for somebody who hopefully might be joining us but we can't reveal that at the moment okay surprise for later surprise right. for later exactly. and then we have another one which is called corporate governance that sounds very official does sound very official but but that's more sort of organizing the all of the policies and making sure that everything's up to date and that all of our all of our um, legal bits of paperwork yeah. are in place and that sure. sort of thing
3: so who else other than you two from the church works as the directors?
6: So we've got
7: Sue Marley, we've got Sharon, we've got Mary Milner, Sharon, well Sharon Jones, Mary Milner. Um, remind me who else?
6: Richard we've is. Got Richard Ball. Yeah. And us two. Yeah, there are six in total yeah.
4: at the moment. So, so that's so all that's at the, the moment. Six. So, six, yeah. Yeah. so you mentioned earlier about these policies, but what is a policy and like, what's an example of one?
6: Um, What's the best example of a policy that we could give them? What about, I know, safeguarding. So safeguarding is all to do with protecting children or vulnerable adults, making sure that they don't get harmed. So when you guys are here at youth groups, say, we have a policy in place that says there needs to be a certain number of leaders. Um, It will talk about how the leaders need to behave. What needs to happen if somebody had an accident or there was an incident? Say there was a fight broke out. How they would deal with it? It's happened
3: before. Um, multiple times.
6: <laughs> if a stranger that nobody knew kind of wandered into the building, you know that yeah. could be an issue in terms of safeguarding. So how we would deal with that? Yeah. Um, for vulnerable adults, it will talk about you know how you should go about if you have to accompany somebody to a hospital appointment mm. for So instance. it's basically
4: like saying this is what to do in this situation. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I so see. it's
6: it's a it's a set of it's a set of rules or guidelines that, that tell you how we as the church operate in mm-hmm. that area. Nice. Yeah? Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah
3: it does, yeah, thank you. So Karen, yes. what is your favourite part about working with Janet? It's and same favourite. for you Janet.
7: Okay. Well I think Janet and I have been friends since before even your parents were born, I guess. Almost is that right? I think so. (laughs) So it's nice to be able to work together. We spent a lot of time together when we were when the when the children, your parents were younger, and then didn't spend a lot of time together. But it's nice to spend some time together working together. Yeah,
6: yeah. Again, and we've also worked together as governors at Henry Franshaw School for a long time. Yeah. So we've done similar things to what we're doing now, but in the school context. Mm -hmm. So, So, which has been really good.
4: And what do you dislike about the other person? Least favourite part about oh. the other person. You have to choose. As <laughs> outrageous, she's better at badminton than <laughs> eh?
7: <laughs> no, me. I don't I dislike that I know. No. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. What do I do? I don't think I dislike anything specifically.
6: Oh. I could tell you something we both like. So you're dodging the question. <laughs> <laughs> we both like doing jigsaws. Yeah, that's it. You see. see, see? Yeah,
4: so. We have got quite a lot of things in common really, haven't yeah. we? Yeah we have. I'm watching tennis. <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: Who's your favourite tennis player? Ooh that's a bit difficult good
6: question. question that. Difficult. Um Emma
4: Radicanu. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say, well, Andy Murray I guess. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Good, good good. Nice. Um Yeah, I think that's everything. But
3: last question. Are you both liking the spinny chairs?
7: spinny chairs yeah i can't sit
6: still really i'm
4: pretty naughty on the chair the spinny (laughs) chairs are my favorite part about the church
6: yeah where would life be without spinny chairs exactly Exactly.
4: Exactly. yeah thank you very much thank you for coming on thank you for having us
1: it's been a pleasure (laughs) thank you for that um and we will see you next week yeah we'll see you next time it will close with some worship now i'm sure